like the show? Want to listen to episodes early? Consider becoming a patron. Starting at the $3 a month level, patrons get access to a custom patron-only feed where we put out episodes of Upstairs Studio podcasts like the Child Care Bar and Grill, Miss Becky's Classroom, That Early Childhood Nerd, the Renegade Rules podcast, and others early. That feed is just for patrons. You could be one of them. Go to patreon.com slash playvolutionhq or click the link in the show description to learn more. Hey everyone, it's Heather. I know you're here to listen to the podcast, but did you know I also offer all kinds of online consulting services? Stuff like webinars, book studies, curriculum training and consultation, and even companion activities for podcast episodes to use for staff development. If you're interested, you can check out my website at www.thatearlychildhoodnerd.com or you can email me at heather at thatearlychildhoodnerd.com. Thanks for listening. Grab your highlighters. Can't find them? They're probably right there in your pocket protector. It's time for that Early Childhood Nerd Podcast. Let's get nerdy. Here's Heather. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of That Early Childhood Nerd. I'm Heather Burnt-Santi, and we're doing an episode with Mike Huber. And it's one of those where he has questions for me based on a previous episode. So um, I'm excited. We're going to talk about the episode with Greg Santucci. Um, right? Yeah. Right? Yeah, definitely. All right. So um, I'm just going to turn it over to you then. Mike. All right. <laughs> and I have to say, this is the hard one because I listened to it a while ago. I was going to re-listen, but since then I've been just following his, uh, you know, Facebook yeah, it's page. Good. Just like now, which thing was from the podcast? <laughs> but there was one point in the podcast where he was explaining, because he works with, I think I have this right, right? He works for a school district or something where he'll go into classrooms to help teachers who are yes have whatever challenging or at some behaviors. point in his career that's been some one point, of the things yeah. he does yeah so he said that teachers would often say but this always worked for me uh-huh and yeah. yeah and so he had a response at the time and i thought um you know he covered a hundred things in yeah i think episode. it started with um a post he had made about not using oh uh, managing behavior, not using that word, that phrase anymore. That's and, right. um, and it, that's so we went in all different directions, but yeah, so yeah. he, when he said, you know, the teacher says this always, always worked before he's talking about behavior management techniques, maybe even behavior charts, clip charts. It was a behavior chart, yeah. I believe. Yep. Yeah. Thank you. Cause I did yeah. not put that part of my notes. Okay. Good thing. I listened to it. <laughs> this yeah. would be, thankfully someone is, is on top of it here. Uh, yeah, but I thought that was really interesting because, and you you didn't quite react, right? But I'm sure you've had the same experience, especially when you have a co-teacher who has a different idea uh-huh. and someone says, but it always worked for me. First of all, have you had that experience with a co-teacher or, you know, a colleague in some Definitely. way? Um, both with co-teachers. And then when I was a center director and a, a teacher coach, um, that, that was frequent because- I was coming in with whole different ideas about mm-hmm. how to talk about behavior and how to address it um, and not gimmicky solutions. 
and they were very much craving the gimmicky solution or talking about how um, it has always worked before. Yeah. Um, So So, definitely. Yeah. Which, so I'll say one thing before I ask you your question, because I I know it's mostly me asking you questions, but (laughs) it reminds me, um, I don't know, maybe there was a year ago, we had this one child who, um, so they had autism and they had a hard time, like when they'd wake up from nap, a toddler, uh-huh. kind of figuring out where they were, you know, yeah. they, it took them a lot longer than yeah. um, a neurotypical child in figuring out where they are when they wake up. That and sort of scared look on their face yeah, yeah. as soon as their eyes open. And then be crying. And yeah. so we had a, um, what do we call her at the time? Inclusion specialist. Mm-hmm. Who would go in to help the teachers? And so at first, often what she does is she would go in and kind of work with the child herself first to get to know the child and then give ideas to the teachers. Mm-hmm. And so she would often hold the child and just kind of walk around with him, you know, calming mm-hmm. the child down. And it would take 20 minutes. <laughs> and so after a while of doing this, but she realized it would go, it would, the length of time would shorten for the child to calm down. And so she finally like let the teacher know, yeah, so I found that this is, this works the best, you know? And so I I think it was the first day the teacher was doing it without the inclusion specialist Uh there. And so the inclusion specialist, we we were, her and I were hanging out in the hallway kind of, so the teacher, you know, could come out if she needed help or, and so she comes out holding the child, the child's still crying and she's like, it's not working. (laughs) And you know, the um, inclusion specialist kind of like, well, no, it, this is what you do, but there isn't an on off switch. Yeah. And I just loved that term. Yes. You know, cause I think teachers want, That's what what's they the want. thing. And I just like flip, flip the switch. And now the child behaves the way I want. Uh-huh. Um, but I am curious how you, cause in that case, like if she had said there's no on off switch, it came across as being very, it wasn't snarky. I guess that's the way I'll say it. Like, I think she probably also added, yeah, I know it's hard or, you know, it it is like, it's loud or whatever, but, you know, he will come down. Mm -hmm. There's no on off switch. So it wasn't like she just said, there's no on off switch. But I'm curious (laughs) what you've said to staff, like teachers, or if you're the director and talking to teacher or whatever, because it is one where you don't want to, right? I mean, because it's a question of compliance they're trying to make the child comply, but at the same time, your job isn't to make the teacher comply. Yeah. Like just do it because you said so. Yeah. Right. So I'm curious how you've brought it up to. Yeah. Well, I can't guarantee that there has not been snark (laughs) in some of my responses, Um, especially earlier in my career and probably most likely with (laughs) co-teachers, more likely that it was a co-teacher I snarked at. But um, so, so usually um, I, I would say, what does that mean? How do you know it worked before? What did that look like when it worked before? Um, and, uh, or I would try to say, um, so you never saw the behavior again, like, (laughs) um, it worked, he doesn't do it anymore. Um, and they'll be like, no, it's still ongoing. And that's why I want to talk to you. I want you to fix it or whatever. So it, so it hasn't worked in the past is what you're saying, or so it worked short term, but you had to address it all the time for a very short term success. 
Um, and that would sort of be a segue to, well, let's look at how we could maybe look at more long-term change yeah. or success. Um, or I, you know, depending on what the behavior was, um, you know, I would ask them to tell, you know, of course we would already have had either I'm in the room and I know what it is, or they've already told me what's happening. Um, It might be a conversation about whether it needs to change, whether the child needs to change or whether the adult needs to change. Um, Yeah. Just depending on, on what it was. Um, Right. I feel like if you're going to talk about managing behavior, it should be about, so manage your behavior. Exactly. Yeah. Whose behavior (laughs) are we talking about? Um, and so one, and I use this a lot in trainings and I did a blog post, but I also would use it in one-on-one conversations. I have like a matching game and down one column is when children do, and then it's all kinds of things. Like they can't get a puzzle in the right piece in the right spot, or they aren't tall enough to drink from the drinking fountain, or they say farkly instead of sparkly, or they call a dog a cat, you know, all these sort of not mistakes, but I'll say mistakes in other developmental areas. And then the other column is then you should, and it's just a list of all the sort of punitive, crazy right. short-term attempts that I've seen in early childhood yep. classrooms. And I ask them to match. Put them on yellow. Oh, yeah, 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 exactly. Wrong. Tell them they've made you very sad. You know, that kind of shit. Um, oh, that one, that one hurt. Like, just I hate it. it yes, it really does break my heart. Like um, emotional abuse is your way of dealing with yeah, the child? Yeah, exactly. Emotional blackmail, I called it once and I got into Yeah, I, that's probably more I hurt my Emotional abuse might be too. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, so then- like when I use that in a training, I say, you know, draw a line from this column to the correct response. And they all, I just watch them all like looking to see if anybody else is drawing any lines. And finally someone will be brave enough to say, I don't think any of these are the right response. And so then we'll talk about, well, why? Well, you're not going to punish a child for not being tall enough because they just need time to grow. So we're going to give them a footstool (laughs) or, um, so it's, you know, that helps them sort of connect. And a footstool is a great metaphor for yes. what they might do. Yeah, yeah. For emotional. Yeah. Or yeah. Um, uh, what, what's one of the other ones? They can't get that puzzle piece in just right. Um, well, what would you do? Well, I would look and see if the puzzle's too right. hard and I would maybe model for them and talk my pro- talk through my process as I'm trying to figure out how to make this puzzle piece fit. And I'd be like, well, so you wouldn't move them to yellow. You wouldn't give them a timeout. And no, that's mean. That would be terrible. Um, and it, that would help connect sometimes in conversations, not right. always, um, depending yeah. on my Well, what I like about that is you're taking it out of, because if you talk about a person, what they're doing, how they're interacting with a child who's whatever, having a tantrum, yeah. you know, throwing things, um, grabbing toys from other kids, whatever the, you know, social or emotional thing is, because that's usually mm-hmm. the challenging behaviors. We don't consider, yeah. like you said, um, not doing a puzzle as challenging. Yeah. But that that's a teacher choice. So that's a society choice. <laughs> but um, you're removing them from that part where they could feel like you're being mean to them or snarky to them mm-hmm. and talking about, let's see what you do in these cases. Cause that idea, like you said, modeling the, the teacher can then give you the answer. Yeah. Oh, so you model with the puzzle. How could you model this? Yeah, so then it's so- really nice that you take it out of that thing and then you can 
right build because it back for them of like so less you'll emotion. do the same thing yeah there's less emotion if we're talking yeah. about puzzles yeah. and mispronunciations and um tall drinking fountains um and less of their ego engaged in that or a different part of their ego engaged yeah. in solving that problem and at the end we have this list of ways that we've helped them with all of these developmental issues that have come up and we can take that list and transfer it directly to then the behavior yeah. problems. So if they know that a child sometimes just needs lots of practice, lots of me showing them, lots of me talking about it to be able to get that puzzle piece in, um, then I can talk about how, you know, that's the same thing with behavior. They need a lot of it right. before you might see a difference. Um, or they yeah. might be able to do it one day and not the other day. And with a puzzle piece, we understand that it's developmental, but with behavior, we suddenly right. get into this um, good or bad, compliant or non-compliant mm-hmm. um, options yeah. that that help no one. <laughs> right. And I do feel like there is a, well, an ego thing for the teacher mm-hmm. and an emotional reaction. Just, you know, we are... Um, programs the wrong word but you know <laughs> it, it goes right to your amygdala when there's a certain scream or cry yeah right so you do want to react in a certain way it's like going right past the frontal lobe of like <laughs> stop that you yeah. know like um and it, you know it's an important mechanism so you know babies don't starve to death even if they're <laughs> it's the middle of the night because they're yeah. going to cry and it's going to trigger a response from the adult mm-hmm. that they will wake up from anything mm-hmm as tired as they might be, they're going to go over to that child and do something. So the child stops crying. It's also, of course, why we have shaken baby and, you know, yes, yeah. it can go awry, but it's right. also why we respond to right. children. And so, because we're not, that's using where our I feel self-awareness brain. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's where, you know, self-awareness, mindfulness can be helpful of like, wow, that they're really upset and I'm yeah. feeling upset. Yeah let me take a breath and that let me help the child or whatever. Like I, I feel like sometimes where I've um, done it wrong in the past is immediately go to the problem solving for the yeah. teacher. Oh, here's how you dress, you know, so they need help. So model this and realize I have to let the teacher first know it's okay that it really makes you mad. And your first instinct is to, <laughs> you know, just grab the toy out of that kid's hand and say, it's not yours. Yes. Yeah. I'm putting this up. <laughs> right. I'm putting this up, but what you do have to do then is your actual action has to be different, but, but to, you know, at least give them permission to have that initial mm-hmm. reaction. Cause I feel like in the past when I've shortchanged that, there are some teachers who just like, I tried and I can't do it. And, mm-hmm. and it's like, Oh, I, I worked with a teacher just a few months ago where we just had the other teacher in the room knew he's working on this. And so whenever it was like, his whole thing was, just when it gets to that point, you step back, the other teacher's going to handle it, but mm-hmm. you just work on notice what your emotion is. And then mm-hmm. after a week, you know, then we did another coaching. Okay. Now think about what you might do. Yeah. You know, and then it was like three weeks in, I think where it's like, okay, now go do it. Like yeah. you're the one who's going to do it. And the other teacher is there if you need help, but, yeah. but like he really needed, he, there was a particular, well, two kids that, you know, they just sort of, we have one supervisor who explains it this way. The teacher does this and what they need to do is this. <laughs> yes. That's so it's a visual for the, uh, <laughs> it'll come out in a couple days. Okay. Yeah. But you're knocking two fists together <laughs> or you're cradling, cradling. Like you're supporting the child. Right. And so he was at that point where he was, ha- it was hard. 
And during COVID, it's sort of like we're all stuck in one, yeah, you know, thing. Because he wasn't, um, he was like a float, so he didn't necessarily normally wouldn't be in one classroom and just okay. Here he is in one classroom, yeah. and now what do you do? Like, like there's, you know, um, yep. so he's had never been in that situation where he had to just figure this out with these yeah. kids, which a lot of teachers have to, of course. But sure. but there's pressure in those moments too, yeah. especially if you feel like people are watching you, and so. Yep. The, the other thing, if I was using that, those analogies with, with staff, um, was to make sure that they knew that I'm not looking for you to have the right answer all the time. Mm -hmm. I'm looking for you to be thoughtful about your response, um, and to be in control of yourself, sort of before you act on a child. Um, I just, I just want to see some sort of, uh, intention. Right, rather right. than just, you know, automatically time out or automatically uh, moving clips around or, you know, right, flipping right. into that emotional blackmail. <laughs> yeah. So um, the other thing, the word that came to me, I don't think you two brought it up in your podcast, but it seems like it's, we often use the term egocentrism to be about kids. Uh-huh. And yet it seems like it's a very egocentric way that sort of the charts that you, you and Greg were talking about, or just managing behavior mm-hmm. is very egocentric, mm-hmm. right? That the child has to change because right. I'm not liking it. And, because um, of my needs. Uh-huh. Yeah. And so, and I guess that's in a way by you switching to those other examples, you're taking the ego out a bit. Yeah. Cause people don't have that same, like, I feel really bad because the kid in my room is too short <laughs> to <laughs> reach this or man, they couldn't do a, 12 piece puzzle. I must be a horrible teacher. Uh Now, sometimes parents get that right. The kid who, you know, if if the parent was an athlete and they feel bad when their child can't do it or whatever, musician or whatever. But as a teacher, you tend not to have those ego things, but around behavior, it's almost like, and and our society probably expects like kids are going to be, Hey, behave, right. Right. That word. Yep around you that that's an indication of how good of a teacher you yes, are and absolutely. the quieter your room the the better teacher you are right we've all we've all been socialized you know enculturated whatever word you want to use um in the united states and probably other places but certainly in the united states that you can't just let kids get away with stuff right there has to be something so um it it almost takes on a tone of revenge <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> there yeah. has oh, to be punishment. There, there has is... to be sorrow. <laughs> yeah. Um, like when I was talking to a group in a school age program that I worked, that I, that I led, I was talking to the staff and um, I was trying to explain why we were moving away from timeouts, why mm-hmm. I, we weren't going to use those anymore. And um, one of the teachers or one of the staff was like, well, I don't know. Cause when I was a kid, timeout was like the worst thing you could do to me. And I think it really works. And I was like, so what you're saying is you want the worst. <laughs> you think that they should feel very bad and have sorrow and, and feel like this is the worst thing that could be done to me because they made a mistake right. and they're eight, you know? <laughs> um, which was snarkier than I would have been. Um, now it was a long time ago. Um, but that person apparently likes feeling bad. So yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> she just told you it's great. Cause yeah. I felt bad when it happened. Right. And, and Please. I think part of once we slip into thinking, um, I have a responsibility for 
teaching children, guiding children, whatever word you want to use, um, your ego is very much tied up in that. So if children are not behaving, um, we need like a quote sound effect or a sarcasm sound effect for, (laughs) but if they're not doing that, then I'm not doing my job. Um, and I'm not in control and other people are seeing me not be in control and it becomes very stressful and, and hard work and not rewarding Mm -hmm. work at all. Um, I did a, uh, I did a workshop about observing children a couple nights ago. And one of the anecdotes I use is, or scenarios, an example of, of an observation that I use is a four-year-old who, um, uh, is telling a story about the goats at his house and making all the people at the table laugh. And, um, Mm -hmm. he takes his napkins and covers his ears when he's talking about how loud the goats are. And then the kid next to him covers his ears with crackers. Um, and, and, and I was talking about how you can be one of two teachers in that situation. You can be the one who's annoyed that there's noise and feels like that was misbehavior to use your napkins and crackers for that. Or you can be the teacher who looks at the problem solving and the creativity and the sense of humor and the social, um, aspect yeah. of it and which one feels better at the end of the day <laughs> like the, the right, hard-ass right. teacher who just wants a silent easy snack time or the teacher who's looking at that and saying this is a wonderful moment to be part of um, yeah I know and that's the thing I try to convey to teachers is like it's going to feel better in the long run once you yeah learn to let go of those things and mm-hmm. take joy the kids also will take joy and right. the kids will still feel for that teacher who wants kids to feel awful Children still feel shame when they do something and they realize it yeah. hurts someone's feelings. Absolutely. Um, so just so they, you know, they'll they still feel They don't really bad. need our help. They don't need it piled on most of the time. Right. But that idea when you're the one who's comforting them in that, mm-hmm. and maybe you're like, oh, you feel so bad. I'm sorry you feel that way. Do you think there's something you could do that would, you could show your friend that you, you know, feel bad about that or whatever. You know, you can be the person who helps a child learn how to do repair. Yeah. And- and that, like the, just the relationship you end up building with the kid. Um, and really that teacher I talked about, that's what he was learning, right? That he was getting into this. The only way he could deal with it was by being sort of punitive, right? All yeah. right, you're done with that toy or whatever. And then suddenly it was like, oh, I'm expressing joy. I'm, you know, yeah. Um, and it's amazing to watch right now. He's just like, you know, helping a five-year-old make his first uh, graphic novel, and, you know, uh, novel yes, but you know yes, five pages yeah. but yeah <laughs> but it's chapter one yes uh Part of you journey. know so just that idea of like finding the groove and finding and it's a kid who was just as you know can be just as uh whatever you want to call that uh contradictory to mm-hmm. like when you ask for something and they like no i don't want to <laughs> and it's like what how do you react to that with a child who says no i don't want to you uh-huh. know like do you sort of say, wow, you really don't want to do that right now? Huh? Yeah. And and then decide if it's like going home, there's not a lot of choice. It's like, <laughs> right. we're not staying here overnight. You're, <laughs> you're going. Um, Everyone else is going home. You're going to yeah, be real yeah. lonely. <laughs> but at the same time, are you going to try to work with the child or are you going to like, just like, I'm the teacher, you do what I say. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, or, or figuring out elaborate reward systems you know if you yeah, right if like, you if you just go when it's time to go we'll put a sticker you'll get take a sticker home or whatever that might be that's just as Alfie Cohn says the other side of the coin mm-hmm. like rewards and punishment 
Um, yeah, so, I'm still working with some teachers on that. We'll see yeah. if they listen to this podcast. It's really because then it's like they what I see constantly is like they're getting ready to go outside. They got their winter stuff on. Mm-hmm. And so, the, oh, wait, I just helped her zip up. Can I go put a, you yeah. know, it's just like, so now they're, are you only doing it because, yeah. but you know, with one classroom. So again, was, a short term, it yep. but in the long term, she's, she's not becoming a more, uh, yeah. uh, oh, what's the word I want? I don't she's know. not it, internally social. motivated internally uh, motivated yeah intrinsically motivated i guess yeah. it's yes, it's more she's right. only doing it for for that. what's in there it is for one her. classroom i said so it sounds these kids really like helping each other now what if you get rid of the chart yeah and they did and it's the kids still are like hey i just helped her zip her coat oh you did that was very thoughtful yeah um and get away from the word nice that's like please my yes. thing too, right it's yeah just, or or you're a good friend or a good I think friend that's yes. really confusing too so i usually just say oh that was helpful <laughs> or yeah, oh helpful, thank you <laughs> thoughtful depending what the thing yeah, is yeah that was kind kind yeah yeah so um but yeah like the chart thing i'm glad you brought up the chart because yeah. that's i i don't remember if you and greg talked about it because i know we we're sort of talking about the episode yeah but it's the same idea of the managing behavior uh-huh and people will say well at work it's always worked for me before with yeah. the chart too. Yeah. And so specifically with charts, when people say to me, well, it's always worked before, what they mean is children or what they're thinking about is children who would already be acting in the ways that please them right. continue to act in those ways and stay up on green. Right. Um, but it's not yeah. working for the children who are perpetually on red or yellow. Right. Um, we, and, and that's the story Greg told about his son. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and the, you know, the other kid in the class was always on yellow. And then the day that his son got moved to yellow, the son was like, now I'm just like Wyatt. Like that's such, it's, it's. I it's, forgot. I wanted to talk about that part too. Like that was just infuriating, but that's what happens. Everybody I was on the highway when the that part kid. came up in the podcast. <laughs> I didn't write it down, but the Wyatt story. Yeah. Of what are we teaching the other kids? Yes. We've been talking about the managing the behavior of the kid. And I think you and Greg talked about it a bit. Yeah. Yeah. The way his son reacted. Cause it's like, yeah. what are we teaching kids about? And even if it's just saying the child's name with a loud voice, mm-hmm. like, yep. You're or just Richard. saying their name more than any, yes, <laughs> yeah. more than any other names. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. And so really being conscious of that, because what we really want to do is teach kids how to get along with other kids and not get along with the kids who do what I want, get right. along with the kids even when they don't do what I want. Yeah. And because so much of behavior management now, we've sort of euphem- euphemized it. Um, and we talk about social emotional development now yes. or social emotional skills. But what we still mean most of the time is um, compliance and, yes. and um, getting them to function mm-hmm. as a group that doesn't present a challenge for the teacher. Yeah. And uh, so it, it really still is just focused on those kids who make it tough for us. Yep. Yeah. And, and I think the other word that's the buzzword now, co-regulation. Yes. When well, really it's making a kid comply. Self-re- self-regulation. And yeah. Self-regulation. Yeah. Like we're doing so this because they need to learn self-regulation. It's like, yes. Well, if they need to learn self-regulation, let them fail. 
right. and, and help them figure out how to yeah. fix it. Even yeah. I tell, talk to teachers, even like when a kid's walking down the hall and turns their head and is going to walk into something, it's like, unless it's like, you know, a razor blade, like let them bump <laughs> into it because that's the information they get. Uh-huh. So they, their proprioceptive sense and yeah. their brain and their um, eyes, you know, like what they're seeing, right. all those things have to work in conjunction you talking to them actually makes it harder, first of all. So they don't even learn because now they're trying to pay attention to what you said. So now they're using their hearing also to process what you said Mm -hmm. while they're about to bump into something. Mm -hmm. And then after they bump into it, then you tell them, you got to watch where you're going as if bumping into the thing wasn't enough information. Right. They they need to also be shamed that they could have prevented it. Yeah. You fool. You fool. Yeah. (laughs) You know, and it's just like, if you just let the kids bump into things, you'll actually find they are able to navigate walking quicker than the kids who keep getting told, watch where you're going, watch where you're going. It doesn't actually help. It wouldn't help a teacher if you constantly told them every single thing they did wrong. Right. If you, as a coach or a director. And they would be so annoyed and they would be, you know, it's that we, we joke, um, people joke about implementing the behavior charts in the break room and right, using yeah. it for adults or doing it in a staff meeting. And we all think that's, you know, just a funny thing, but man, no adult, very few adults would stand for it to yeah. be treated the way we treat children in terms of behavior management. Right. Right. Um, yeah. I, I, I said very few, you did, you did allow that some people would, some people would in a certain con- take it. context yes. yeah. as well, I guess, but yeah. Yeah. Um, those, those are the main things I wanted to kind of, yeah. kind of get out of how you actually talk about managing behavior with people. And I really like your examples there of yeah. bringing out the concrete things. Um, I mean, there's so much, like I could do an episode just on everything that Greg said, but <laughs> I think people would be better off listening to Greg. I know he it. and he and I have been trying to um, reschedule or schedule more conversations yeah. and it just always like never we haven't quite made the connection yet one or the other of us forgets to respond and we don't quite right. get it but yes um and follow him on facebook now i i want to i'm going to plug my own stuff here for just a minute yes plug my own stuff um on my website in my blog there is a post called the matching game or a guidance matching game or something that shows the, the, the actual sheet that I'm talking about and talks about how I use it with teachers. Um, it's, it's one of the favorite things I've done is develop that. Well, I was going to say, I'm going to use that game. one. Yeah. <laughs> well, you can find the matching game on that blog. Um, it just, I think it, whenever we can shift talking about behavior stuff and, and kind of move it into a conversation about um, development in other areas and how we, how we would respond if it was a different, if it was a cognitive thing we were seeing that they still needed to work on or right. language delay or something like that. Um, it's easier for adults than to disconnect from those old ideas about um, something has to happen to a kid who's done something wrong. Right. Um, and, and Dan Hodgins says all the time, and actually I'm recording with him this afternoon about this, a quote, but he, he says all the time, we have to stop turning developmental issues into moral issues. And I think that's such a brilliant, succinct way of, of talking about this shift. 
but it's hard because we all grew up that way and see the charts on Pinterest and we get into teacher groups and complain about the child who makes things hard for us. And um, it's, it takes a lot of work on the part of the grown up to make sure that we are responding fairly and helpfully (laughs) Mm -hmm. and professionally and ethically um, in all of those situations. Yeah. And then for coaches, directors, and such to figure out how to help teachers yeah. get to that point without us trying to just make the teachers comply or. Right. <laughs> right. Like there's. Right. Performance like, reviews. That's, are that's just... also development, right? Yeah. Performance it's a reviews are issue just uh, for the behavior charts. Yeah. Right. Exactly. <laughs> and you have to be careful of that. Yeah. So. Cool. Um, all right. Thanks. This was a good one. Yeah. Thank you. Um, I, so I, I just don't ever listen to the podcast once I've sent it out into the world because I annoy myself. Um, But it was fun to go back and listen because that was a good conversation. So we um, actually have to listen to ours uh, teaching with the body and mind. Yeah. Episodes are um, shifting to a new location, a new address, teaching with the body and mind.com. And some of the descriptions did not make it in the migration. So we have to listen to them to To remember what what you're talking about. Oh, well, it's not just a number. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Well, you don't have a stupid, weird laugh (laughs) that you have to listen to when you listen to your own podcast. I am annoyed by my voice, too. Uh 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 (laughs) All right. Well, I'm glad you got uh, your podcast plugged in there, too. I should have I should have given you that opportunity before. (laughs) So check us both out, everybody. (laughs) Everybody go check us both out and um, check Greg Greg Santucci out. He's on um, Facebook. And uh, I guess, I guess that's it. We'll be back for another episode. Yeah. Thank you, Mike. All right. Everybody come back again next week for another episode. And thanks for coming this week. That's the show. Now go get your nerd on. has been an Explorations Early Learning Upstairs Studio production. Oh.